This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Well, good morning, New Life. It's good to be with you today. It's good to see you. Uh, and I'll be seeing more of you as the lights come up, which will be very exciting because you're such an attractive group of people that I just love spending time. <laughs> Apparently not everyone agrees. Uh, I think that you are highly attractive. And hopefully you think I am too, because now you have to stare at this face for the next half hour. Uh, I am so glad, so glad to be with you today. Uh, if it's your first time, I want to welcome you to New Life. We're so glad that you're here. We want to invite you, make yourself at home. Uh, our home is your home, whether it's your first time or your hundredth time. So kick your shoes off, get comfortable, grab some coffee, grab some tea, and just get ready. Because we believe that each time we gather together, that God, and we believe there is a God, and that, that God is personal, He's here with us, and that each time we gather together, God actually desires to meet us right where we are. Wherever you are in your journey, we believe God wants to meet you right there, because we believe God loves you, and He has a purpose and a plan for your life. And uh, like any good father, we believe God's like a perfect heavenly father who wants to speak to His kids today. So I just want to invite you, make yourself at home, get comfortable, go ahead and grab your program, uh, and there are a few things to help us on this journey that you're going to want to have at the ready. The first is this connection card that says, start here. We invite you to fill this out each week simply because it's your way to have access to our pastoral team, our way to uh, be able to partner with you in any way that we can. So we just invite you to put your name and your email address. And by the way, anytime your like your address changes, if you could change that on there so that we could update that, that'd be helpful for us as we partner with you. And then we use this throughout the day. Uh, we love to pray for you all week long. And if you write a prayer request, know that our pastoral team is praying for you uh, and wanting to care for you. And so just get that ready. The other thing you're going to want are our teaching notes. The reason why I give you these, even if you're not a a note taker by nature, or maybe you think, okay, I got done with school, right? Um, If you're not a note taker, the whole point of this is we found that people generally forget things within the first um, 48 to 72 hours of hearing it. And so this just helps you jog your memory because Our hope would be that this would be the beginning of a conversation that you go throughout your week and that maybe as things come up, you'd be able to reference back to those notes. So you want to go ahead and get those ready. Uh, And uh, and as you're getting that stuff ready, I just want to talk about uh, this interesting dynamic that we're in right now of season changing. Have you noticed that if you have kids, your season is changing right now? We're going from summer to school and maybe they think they're tired, but mom and dad, you know, you're tired just as much as they are. Uh, teachers, educators, thank you, by the way. Can we thank our educators? We have a ton of educators in the room. Educators, thank you for the work you're doing, but I can only imagine uh, that any reserves that you stored up throughout the summer are gone as you care for our kids all day long. So as we are, woohoo, as we're thanking God for you, uh, you're probably a little tired, so we're praying for you this week as well. But but school is a, a season change, um, Weather has changes. My wife keeps trying to convince me that it's fall right now, right? Like August 1st rolled around and this fog stuff started happening. And I'd look outside and like, oh, it's horrible. She's like, well, fall's coming. It's like fall. It is August. This is summer. You know, I grew up in Pasadena. This is like prime 102 degree weather. And we're hitting like the 70s, you know, my I was sitting outside yesterday reading a book. It was like the perfect day. Not a whole lot to do reading a book, but I had my had my shirt off. Maybe I shouldn't share that with you, but it was, you know, f- somewhat private. And Maria's like, 
It's like 70 degrees. I said, I know I got to soak up every ray I can, baby, because fall's coming. But weather has seasons that, that change. Governments have seasons that change. And we're looking at that season change right now. No comment. No comments from the peanut gallery. But we're just looking at season changing. And our lives, our lives, our personal lives, our spiritual lives have seasons that change. We have ebbs and we have flows throughout life. Uh, a friend posted on Facebook this little statement that said, when I, was, when I was a kid and I would get grounded, when I was in trouble, I'd get grounded. And my punishment was I had to stay home all weekend. Uh, I couldn't go out with friends. I had to go to bed early. And those are now my life goals as an adult, right? It's just, it's a different season of life. Along with these seasons that change, our lives have these peaks and they have valleys sometimes. And today what I want to talk about is those seasons of life. I want to talk about the valley seasons of life and ask the question, um, what do I do in the midst of low seasons, uncomfortable seasons, seasons where it'd be easy to cut and run, but maybe I think I need to stick. What do I do in, in those seasons? And I'm not talking about unavoidable seasons like cancer or death, things you can't get out of. I want to talk today about the seasons that we could get out of if we wanted to. What do we do in those seasons? I've got some questions for us this morning. They should be up on the screens. The first one is, where do valleys originate? Where do these low points in life come from? And the second question is, what do we do when we find ourselves in a valley season of life? Because our answer to those questions will have a profound impact on our personal lives, on our children's lives, on generations oftentimes to come. The answer to those questions, what do I do when I find myself in a valley, will impact our career, our vocation, our marriage, our friendship circles. They can impact our relationship with God and the way we understand God and community and faith. And see, we're in the series right now that we're actually rounding the corner. It's our last two weeks of the series that has taken us through this summer called God Never Said That. And in this series, we're asking this question, did God really say all the things that we believe he oftentimes said? Because if we believe God said something that he didn't, and I said this each week, if we believe God said something that he actually didn't say, or, or that God promised something that God never actually promised, then when God doesn't come through on what we think he promised, or when things don't turn out the way we think God said they should turn out, we're setting ourselves up for anger, for hurt, for disillusionment, for bitterness. Down below the surface, we can even keep coming to church, but down below the surface, we find ourselves asking this question and then squashing it down. Is God to blame? Am I to blame? Are you to blame? Someone's got to be to blame. But the truth is, it could just be that God never actually promised, that God never actually said the thing that we think God said. And today we're asking uh, this question, does a valley, does a valley necessarily mean that we made a wrong turn in life? If we find ourselves in one of these valley seasons, does it necessarily mean that we missed God in the moment? Because if that's true, if a valley means that we made a wrong turn, that we missed God, then our natural tendency would be to run out of that valley, to try to run back to God. But what if that's not the reason 
why we're in the valley. We might be running when we should be staying. And I, I said last week in the words of Kenny Rogers, we got to know when to hold them. You got to know when to fold them. You got to know when to walk away. And you got to know when to run. It's so true when it comes. Yeah, don't shake your head. That was good. It's so true. I'm not going to sing it today. That's uh, Two weeks of me singing was plenty for you. Trust me. Trust me. But if we run when we should stay, or if we stay when we should actually run, we're actually doing damage to ourselves, to our relationships, and ultimately in our relationship with God. So I want to talk about three unique valleys that each of us will find ourselves in at some point in life. And the first question to ask yourself whenever you're in a valley is is this, why am I here? Why am I in this valley? Because I believe that there are at least three valleys that every one of us in this room will hit at some point in life. And only one of them has to do with a wrong turn. And each of these three valleys has three unique responses. The first valley is this. Sometimes we find ourselves in a valley of life that's a valley at God's invitation. Did you know that sometimes God actually invites us into valley seasons? There are certain times when God allows us to be in uncomfortable, difficult, hard, it'd be easier to run, but better to stay sorts of valleys. And as we look at the life of Jesus, we see at the bookends of his earthly life and ministry, two valleys that God, his heavenly father, invited him into. We're going to start with one. We're going to end with the next one. And they were for his good and they were for our good. And it wasn't that he made a misstep. It was that he was following God and God invited him into a valley in life. Check this out. This comes from uh, the book of Mark, which is a biography of Jesus' life. In the very beginning of it, chapter one, verse nine, uh, it says this. It says, at this time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and he was baptized by John in the Jordan River. By the way, we have Baptism Sunday coming up next week. One week from today is our Baptism Sunday, and I'm so excited about that. You can clap if you want to, because it's going to be awesome. And you might be wondering, why would I get baptized? Well, baptism is simply this. It's an expression where we follow Jesus, where we we go underwater representing dying to our life before God. When we lived by ourselves, for ourselves, when I was my boss, when I was my leader, when I was my savior. And then at some point we realized I'm not doing a great job as my boss, my leader, my savior. God is actually better suited for that. And so we moved God into the leadership position of our lives. And so we're saying, I'm dying to that old way of living when I was doing that by myself. And I'm raised up to new life in this relationship with God. And, and we communicate publicly in front of a gathering of other Jesus followers. This is the new life I have. And Jesus himself actually did it to, to, um, to uh, identify with us in the process that we would go through. So you might be thinking, well, Jesus commanded me to get baptized, but Jesus also went first and got baptized. And if you've never been baptized, I want to invite you. Come next week and be baptized. We're going to have baptism at each of the services. And in fact, on that card that says start here that you've already filled out because uh, you like to follow directions. That's why you were such a good student in school. On the back of this card, it says baptism, August 28th. If you want to get baptized, just mark that down on your card. But if you're thinking, I don't know about this, tell me more about baptism. I'm glad you asked. You could write down baptism. More information. And we will get you more information. That's how straightforward we are. If, if you went to the Global Leadership Summit, they talked about low-context cultures, where we tell you exactly what we mean. This is what we mean. If you want more information, you're going to want to mark more information, and we will get you 
more information. So go ahead and get that filled out. So Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan. Verse 10 says, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn in two and the spirit of God descending on him like a dove and a voice cried out from heaven, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And boy, if, if I could dream for each of you, I would dream that you would be able to internalize that statement for yourself. That as a follower of Jesus, you would know without a doubt that God looks at you and says, because of our relationship, because I've adopted you into my family, you are my beloved child. You're my beloved daughter. You're my beloved son. Outside of anything you can do or achieve or have done, it's not based on merit. It's based on our relationship. You're my child. To the extent that we can internalize that reality, it changes everything. And I would wish for each of us that we could experience this reality in our lives. But Jesus comes up out of the water, and the dove, the spirit is is descending like a dove, and he hears the voice of his heavenly father saying, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. And then verse 12, so this is a high point. Verse 12 says, at once the spirit of God sent him out into the wilderness. And in the wilderness, he was there for 40 days being tempted by Satan, by the devil. Talk about a a peak to a valley. And he was with the wild animals and angels attended to him. Jesus did exactly what his heavenly father wanted. In fact, he heard God say to him, you're my son whom I love and whom I'm pleased. And then immediately, not because he made a wrong turn, immediately the spirit of God sent him into the wilderness. And in the ancient writings, the wilderness was both a physical place, a reality, a desert, kind of a valley, um, arid terrain. And it was also a metaphor for times in the valley for times of wandering, for times of wondering what's next. And in this time of wandering and wondering in the valley, the devil tempted him, but it wasn't because he made a wrong turn. It was because he took a step of faith to follow God and all of a sudden found himself in this type of valley. And at some point in our lives, each of us will find ourselves in a God-invited valley. And it's not because we made a wrong turn. It could be because we took a step of faith to follow God. And now we find ourselves here. Let me talk for a second about about marriage, because a a, a lot of us are married, have been married, will be married. Once you get married, do you know that you have followed God into this like holy relationship that's not just two of you, it's actually three of you. It's like a triangle and God's at the top and you're here. And the closer we walk towards God, the closer we're naturally pulled towards each other. It's this holy relationship. And once you walk into it, you are in God's will in this relationship. But then you hit the five-year marker or the 10-year marker and you get that itch and it gets, it gets kind of boring or disconnected and, and those late-night date nights turn into late-night diaper changes and you think, the sexy is worn off. And you just wonder, what happened? The fire's gone. You find yourself in a valley seven years into your marriage, 10 years into your marriage. And if we think that's because I made a wrong turn somewhere, and I haven't been following God. Our tendency is to run, but could it be that God's desire for you is to stick? What about career? 
You sensed God inviting you to make a career change, so you followed him, you went into that career, but now you're a year into that career, and they promised you, yeah, you'll have a few things on your plate that aren't part of your job set, but, you know, in the first year, we'll get that all taken off your plate, and now you're a year into it, and it's just adding more and more, and you're working more overtime, and you wonder, did I make a wrong turn in this? Did I not hear from God? Could it be that you did hear from God, and you're in a valley of life, and you're in a valley in your career? How about ministry? A lot of us do ministry around this church. I love that our church really is run by our volunteer teams who are passionate about God, about serving and loving people, about engaging with our world and our community. But you can't get traction with your ministry team, and it's getting frustrating, and you wonder, is the wrong fit? Maybe you make a mistake and you say something dumb. I've never done that, but you could imagine (laughs) what that would be like. And then you wonder, am I really cut out for this? You walk off stage shaking your head, thinking how many people are never going to come back because I said, oh no, that's me, sorry. That's me, that's not you. But it could be that God called you here to stay here, to stick. I mean, that was my experience coming on staff of the church. I've been on staff, here's something crazy. I've been part of this church for 14 years. Yeah, that's fun, isn't it? Yeah. Since I was 21, I, I started coming here as a senior in college, 21, tongue ring, gauged ears, spiked hair, Pastor Ron, that was him I'm talking about, Pastor Ron had gauged ears and spiked hair. No, no, no. I, and I found my home here as a college student and then uh, served for a number of years just volunteering, being part of this community, came on staff eight years ago. And uh, in the ministry I did before this, I had to fundraise my own salary, and it was difficult to do. And we, Maria, my wife, and I had just had our first child, and fundraising was tough. So um, in the process of it, I, I sensed God calling me to on, come on staff with the church. And I did. And one of the, the benefits of coming on staff with the church was that I wouldn't have to fundraise anymore. And thank goodness, now all of our financial issues would be over. It's like, thank you, Jesus. I won't have to worry about church finances anymore because now I'm on staff with this church. And like three months in, we hit a financial crisis. This was right around 2008. And each of our staff took a 5% pay cut. You probably don't know that because we didn't publicize it. We didn't say, look how selfless we are. We took a 5% pay cut. And I started to wonder, did I make a wrong turn? coming into ministry. In fact, I had a good friend who was a pastor of a mega church down by Pasadena. He had offered me a, a staff job. Come on down, work with us. And I started to wonder, maybe I made a wrong turn. Maybe it's time to go. And then our worship pastor, Justin, who's also our finance pastor, he was the guy up here, 39 yesterday, by the way. Happy birthday, Justin. Justin came over and he said, I don't, I don't believe that you made a wrong turn. I believe God called you here, and this is part of being here. It means sticking it out and learning to trust God with your finances and trust God with our church. And I stayed, and I'm so glad I did eight years later. I'm so glad I did. Because listen, guys, listen. Sometimes a valley does not mean a wrong turn. Sometimes a valley is the place where God forms our character, where he teaches us how to how to stick with someone, how to love someone, how to serve them in difficult times. We all get up and we say for better or worse, but in the valley is where he teaches us what it looks like to be in it for worse. I, 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 just wanna, I don't want us to miss this. I don't want us to miss this because the truth is, I see a lot of us sometimes, not, not, not you, of course, not you, people who aren't here today, And it breaks my heart because we run just a few steps before a breakthrough. We get out right before 
God was going to do it. He was going to do the miracle. He was going to do something. He was going to change our perspective, change our life, change our marriage. I remember you're one of our marriage. Maria and I both, and she just actually said this to me. I thought I was the only one. You're one of our marriage. We both wanted out. It was hard. It was hard. No one told us. Long distance was so easy because anytime you, you got annoyed, we were like 3,000 miles apart. Anytime you got annoyed, it was like, well, I'm tired. Ah, click. <laughs> and then you're like in the same city and then we're married in the same house. And it's like, oh, click, click. Nope, it's not working. <laughs> She's still here. And I remember thinking you're one like this thing. It just keeps getting tighter. And then she said the same thing. She actually said, I felt the same way you're one. I want it out, but I thought we can't get out. Now, this is where some people would say, I guess I'm just stuck with this person forever. But we decided, no, we're not going to be stuck. We're going to do the hard work of, of rebuilding a relationship. Going to counseling individually. Going to counseling together. Working on our marriage. Bringing sexy back. And the term Justin Timberlake, right? Hey, such a good song. JT, love him. Love, so good. So good. Justin Timberlake. We're celebrating 10 years of marriage next month. 10 years. Wow, you guys are so clappy today. This is fantastic. Yeah. I'm happy too. Yes. Yes, Arsenio. Yeah. I'm so glad we didn't run, right? Uh, Charlie, my buddy Charlie here, they're like in their 50s years of marriage, 50 plus years of marriage. I can guarantee you, he's had valleys. I guarantee it. Ron and Monica, they celebrated 45 years yesterday. Pastor Ron and Monica. I guarantee they had valleys. Listen, Ron said to me on Thursday, I don't know how Monica does it. I am not easy to be married to. And my first thought was, if he's not easy to be married to, the rest of us are totally screwed. (laughs) Right? It's hard. No one said it was going to be easy. There's valleys even when we follow God. How about our church finances? Here's one. We're in a valley right now. Go ahead. Take a look at this. Guys, this is fun. Check it. I thought my finances, this is fun. We got like a a negative $38,000 valley right now as a church. Does that mean that we're not following God? I don't, man, I don't think so. I've been praying. We've been checking our leadership team. Is there like, are we doing something wrong? Is there like some sort of hidden thing that we're missing? No, no, no. It's just a valley God's invited us into. And then he invites us as a church to walk in faithfulness. Listen, I know you love this church. I hear the stories of transformation just like I do. We're going to talk about generosity in our next series. We're going to do three weeks on why it's good for you to be generous, why it actually helps you save more, spend less, and give more. That's a good thing. Who doesn't want to save more, spend less, and give more? That's, I'll tell you why it's good for you later. Can I tell you why it's good for the church? Because God's changing lives through our generosity. We've walked through enough of these valleys that I know God's going to do it through us as we partner together. So when we find ourselves in a God-invited valley, our response is to stay put. Stay put. If we don't stay put, we'll miss out on the character forming that God has. We'll miss out on the relationship that God has. We'll miss out potentially on the career. I, I would have missed out on being your senior pastor. I, I, you guys, I love my job. I love it. This is my Monday. I look forward to it every week. And I'm sorry if your job is not like that. I genuinely am. Um, but I love my job. I would have missed this if I would have run eight years ago. 
And sure, it'd be 100 degrees in SoCal, and my tan, I'd be bronze, but you know what? We'd miss this. Yeah, you shake your head. That was pretty bad. I agree. I agree. How about this? The second valley, transitionally speaking, the second valley is the valley of our own making. At life, we're all going to find ourselves here. The reason we're going to find ourselves here is because, like we talked about last week, our conscience is like a thermostat that we set based on our experiences, our background, our age, our stage, our gender, our ethnicity, our church we grew up with. We set our conscience, and then our conscience tells us whether or not we violated it. But oftentimes, our conscience and God's desires for us shift. It's a natural thing. And our goal is to line our conscience up with God's God's will as he reveals to us in the Bible. We talked about that last week. But because our conscience has a way of shifting, sometimes we're going to find ourselves in valleys of our own making. Self-inflicted valleys. Where we either knowingly or unknowingly went outside of God's will, outside of God's plan. Maybe it's an addictive pattern that you thought you could control, but now it controls you. And now you find yourself in a valley of your own making. Maybe it's debt. And, and you hate going, you hate going to the mailbox because you know you're a slave to your debt. That's why you don't want to see your MasterCard bill. It's your master. You're a slave. But it was, it's our own making. Maybe you're cheating or you've cheated on your taxes, on your health. And now your chickens are coming home to roost. Cheated on a test, cheated on your spouse. Sometimes we'll find ourselves, all of us, at some point in our life, we'll find ourselves in a valley of our own making. And we're bleeding out from self-inflicted wounds that we did not need to make. If we find ourselves in that spot, a guy named Paul who planted these churches all over the ancient world, who wrote letters to them, who were found in the, the letters are found in the New Testament of the Bible. Paul wrote to this church in Corinth, this group that was literally bleeding out from self-inflicted wounds. They, they, were, they were like digging their own holes. They were digging valleys. It was like the death valley of valleys. And this is what Paul writes to them. He says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to all mankind. And God is faithful. God is faithful. God's not running just because we caused a valley. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. I want to pull some things from that little passage. See, when we find ourselves in self-inflicted valleys, the first thing we need to do is realize that we're not alone. I, I don't know if that's in your notes or not, but we need to realize that we're not alone. Paul says, no temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to all people. The devil wants you to think you're the only one who's ever done this thought this, gone there, to isolate you, to pull you by yourself, to have you run from God, run from community, run from the church. Paul says, you're not alone, and you don't need to isolate. You can actually come into community, come back to God. See, isolation has us running from God when we should be running to God. So he says, realize you're not alone. And then he says, repent, which means change your thinking. Change your thinking. That word repent in the original language is a change of thought which is followed by a change of action. So you find yourself in a valley. We realize, oh my gosh, I caused this valley. My first step, change my thinking. God, what, what, did I, what am I thinking? Why did I do this? God, what do you say? I want to line my thoughts up with your thoughts. 
as we repent, as that's a good word, by the way, that's a beautiful word. I wouldn't scream it at your spouse, like repent. That's not going to work. But when God says it, he doesn't scream it at us. He invites us to it. (laughs) Change your thinking and then change your actions. The third step is look for a God-honoring way out. Paul says, God will give you a way out. No temptation will overtake you except just common to people. And God is faithful. He will give you a way out. A God-honoring way out. Not, a, not another valley to jump into. A God Maybe it's confessing. Maybe it's repaying. Maybe it's coming home. Maybe it's getting honest about your experience with a few other people. And then lastly, I would say this. We need to be patient with ourselves on the way out. Be patient. Usually it takes a lot longer to get out of a valley than it took to get in. You ever notice that? It's like getting into this valley was so easy. It was all downhill. (laughs) Getting out of this valley is so hard. Anything worth doing. I think it's John Maxwell who said something, and I'm going to butcher it, but anything worth doing is uphill. It's an uphill battle. We don't just fall into uphill patterns. We have to choose and walk, but we need to be patient with ourselves. It takes time to get out of some of the valleys we've gotten ourselves into. And we need to be patient with God. God is patient with us. He's quick to forgive. He's slow to anger. He is patient with us as we walk out. And then we need to be patient with others. We talked about this in forgiveness a while ago, that forgiving doesn't mean forgetting. As we walk out of these valleys, sometimes we wish the other person would just, would just forget everything we did. And then we're hurt when they bring it back up. We need to be patient with them as they process, just like they're being patient with us. There's, there's one more valley. It's the valley that I'm in, and I have no idea why I'm here. And at some point in life, almost all of us will find ourselves in that valley. I'm in the season of life, and it is hard, and it is difficult, and it's not clear that I followed God, and that's why I'm here. And it's not clear that I dug my own hole, and that's why I'm here. I literally have no idea why I'm here. Now, sometimes we'll get clarity in the rearview mirror of our life as we look back. But can I just be honest? There are going to be valleys that we walk into, and we'll have no idea why we were in that valley this side of eternity. It's a valley that God will not reveal to us until we get to see him face-to-face in heaven. But there are certain things we can do in these I-don't-know-why-I'm-here sort of valleys that will help us in the process. And the first is this. When I find myself in a valley and I don't know why I'm there, the first thing we should do is seek general guidance from the Bible about our next step. I said last week the Bible's a guidebook. The goal of the Bible is to introduce us to our God, who is our guide for life. It's not a step-by-step instruction manual that tells you everything. You can't turn to, to, you know, second valleys and figure out how to get out of your valley. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, it was nice. It's a, it's a guidebook, which gives us principles on how to live life. And so when we find ourselves in one of these valleys, we open up the Bible, we take what we know about God, we take these principles, we take our God-given intellect, and we put them together and try to figure out, what do I do now? We look for his general guidance in the Bible. And then we seek guidance through God's Spirit. I love the promise of Jesus about his Spirit. He says this, When the Spirit of truth comes, 
He will, and he's promising this to his followers. He will guide you into all truth. He won't speak his own. He's going to speak what he hears from me and tell you what is yet to come. He will, Jesus says, he will glorify me, God's spirit. And God says his spirit lives inside of us. He will glorify me, Jesus says, because it's from me that he will receive what he will and he will make it known to you. God doesn't want us to wander around aimlessly in the dark. That's not his desire. He's not sitting up in heaven saying, look at them. They have no idea what's happening. Check this out, spirit, check this out. Jesus, look at this, they're gonna trip. No, that's not God. That's a mean toddler. That is not God. (laughs) Or me and my teens. No, God is trying to illuminate a situation. He's trying to bring light. He's trying to reveal to us. Now, we might not necessarily know why we're there, but he wants to bring some level of clarity to us. That's his desire. So we pray and we say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me. Show me what's going on. And then we ask for guidance from our Christian friends. Sometimes the whole reason why we don't know why we're in the valley is because we're too close to it. We can't see the forest for the trees. All we can see is our experience right in front of our face. And so we zoom out and we ask a few close Christian friends, hey, do you know what's happening here? Can you see things I'm not seeing? Is there a blind spot that, that I'm missing? Help me translate what's going on in my life. Help me get God's perspective. Friends, this is why life groups are so key. Life groups are just these small groups of people who form friendships with other people who are seeking after God so that when we find ourselves in a valley, we don't have to think, do I have any friends who I can talk to about this? Oh my gosh, I don't. I better go start making some friends and I got to build trust with these friends and that's going to take me six months or a year. Then I can ask them about the valley. God doesn't want that. The great thing about life groups is when you hit a valley, you can go to your life group. You're already meeting weekly and say, this is this thing I'm experiencing. Can you help normalize it for me? Can you give me some clarity? Can you pray for me? This is why I love life groups. We're going we're gonna to be promoing our, uh, our next round of life groups coming up in just a few weeks. I want to invite you to jump in. Invest yourself in a group. It is worth it for you. Yeah, there's our life group's pastor. Amen. Yeah. Absolutely. So we're all going to experience valleys. Knowing why you're in a particular valley will give you clarity on what to do next. Not all valleys, not all valleys are because you screwed up. In fact, only one of the three. So we got to just ask God, what's going on? Not all valleys are created equal. Just pause and ask why. God, why am I here? Give me some clarity. If you invited me into this, what do I do now? How do I stay in a way that honors you? If I made a wrong turn, help me get out in a God-honoring way. Boy, if there's no clarity, God, would you give me some clarity on what's going on? I told you I was going to start with a valley and end with a valley from Jesus' life. The last valley that Jesus walked into shortly before he was crucified, before he was nailed to a cross, was the valley when God said to him, follow me, follow me to your death. Give your life for the lives of this world. And Jesus went up into a garden after he shared a meal with his friends, and he had a couple of close friends. He asked to pray for him. He went out and he prayed. He said, God, if it's your will, take this cup from me. I, I don't know that I can handle this valley. And he wrestled with his heavenly father in prayer. And it wasn't because he made a wrong turn. He was exactly where he should be. 
And God said, I'm going to invite you to stay in this valley. To give your life. To pay the penalty for the sin of mankind. So that every man, woman, and child across this world can be forgiven by you. Can be adopted back into God's family. Can be filled with God's spirit. God said to Jesus, the father said to the son, stay in the valley. Stay in the valley. And I don't know about you, but I'm so glad he did. Listen, Jesus could have gotten off the cross. He could have. He could have chosen not to. He chose to stay. And I'm telling you, it made all the difference, didn't it, for us? And that's why I'm saying in some of these valleys that God invites us into, sometimes we've got to just stay because it'll make all the difference for the individual, for the relationships, for generations to come. And I want to invite you, if you're here today, and you've never experienced the gift that Jesus gave because he stayed in that valley. If you've never experienced the forgiveness of God, the love of God, the transformation of God, if you've never been adopted into God's family as his daughter and his son, if you've never heard God say to you, you are my beloved child in whom I am well pleased, I love you. I want to invite you to receive the gift of salvation today, to make God your leader, and your Savior. And then allow Him to guide you on this journey of life so that when you hit the valleys, you'll know how to walk through them. I'm going to pray right now and give you a chance to respond to God in prayer. First, I'm going to pray for all of us. Then I'm going to give you a chance if you're ready to commit your life to God. So would you join me? If you want to close your eyes to focus, you can close your eyes. If you just want to look down, if you just want to look up, I just, I want you to focus in on God right now. And Holy Spirit, as as I pray these words, I would ask, Holy Spirit, that you would give us clarity, that you would lead us to yourself, lead us to your truth. I pray for my friends as we find ourselves in any of these three valleys. God, if it's a valley of your invitation, would you show us how to stay, stay faithfully in that valley? Would you show us how to partner with you right there? If we're in a self-inflicted valley, Holy Spirit, would you give us clarity about how to think differently and then act differently? Would you teach us how to do that so that we can walk out of that valley with integrity as we partner with you? And if we're in a valley today and we just don't know why, I truly believe that you want to bring clarity. So Holy Spirit, would you bring clarity through your word, as you whisper to us in prayer, through our community of friends, would you bring clarity and then show us what our next step is? And as we continue to pray, if you're here and you're ready to to commit your life to God, to enter into a relationship with him and experience the gift of his forgiveness and his healing in your life, if you're ready to make him your leader and your savior, you can repeat these words after me. Just whisper them where you're sitting. You can say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you love me and that you gave your life to pay the penalty for my sin. And I want to walk in a relationship with you. So God, I invite you to come into my life. Fill me with your spirit. and Show me what it looks like to walk through the peaks and valleys of life with you. And give me glimpses of what it will look like to walk with you into eternity. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. 
You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.